But with the right, it's almost better about finding the right therapist than it is about finding the right type of therapy. And sometimes I think an amazing, and I think this for people in all spheres of medicine, if they say, actually, I don't know, I love it. I love it, right? I know, me too. And then, but they say, okay, do you know, as well as that, they they need to say, but I'll try and help you find the right person. Yes. So the first bit, you trust them Mm because they admit their own, what they don't know. And they have like that level of humbleness, which I just think is essential in medicine. And then mm-hmm. they um, will also go the extra mile or, or maybe do, it should be part of their role, I don't know, to find you somebody else who can help you. Yes. Um, otherwise, people like us can very easily fall in between the gap. Before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to join the What The F community to hear even more conversations that will make you laugh, cry, and feel more connected. All I'm asking you to do is click on that subscribe button that's right on your screen. I love your support, and it is so inspiring and amazing to see all of your comments. Thank you so much for subscribing. It means the world. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome to What The F. I am so excited about today's guest, Tori Robinson. And before we dive in, I really want to thank SK Life Science and Neuralis for making conversations like this possible with the awesome, infamous, epilepsy sparks, Tori Robinson. Tori, thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) So just for audience members who aren't aware, epilepsy sparks is an amazing resource at epilepsysparks.com. But what I love the most is your podcast, Epilepsy Sparks, because it's like these incremental um, bits of information. Like it's like these 15 minute episodes that like I can listen to while I'm getting ready. And I feel I walk away feeling like so empowered by like the conversations. And I'm like, I know more about epilepsy. And like (laughs) it's stuff that I feel like I should have known. And I'll, I'll, you know, always try and keep up. But I love it. I love what the work you're doing. And thank you so much for it. Oh, thank you. And ditto. I feel like we kind of come together like in a a yin and yang in the sides that we cover, right? Uh, That's so true, because like mine's more anecdotal and yours is like very like cutting edge research and things that are happening. And but like in a in a a reproachable way, it's not it's not like a lecture. It's not like you're attending a lecture. You're just like learning and sometimes laughing. And then, well, yeah, a lot of times (laughs) you get us laughing. So and thank you. Before we dive in, because I really want to know, like, why you started epilepsy sparks but what has your epilepsy journey looked like (laughs) uh yeah so well as with many people i don't really know where my epilepsy started because people think often okay you were diagnosed at this point that's when your epilepsy started no um i would say that's probably rarely the case because right because you go to make this has kind of happened or this has happened with the person that i love or whatever um, yeah. So it's usually past tense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a, I was in febrile status epilepticus when I was ten months old. So oh, it's wow. uh, status epile, uh, sorry, febrile seizures very common in babies and young kids. But um, mine went on for a very long time. That may or may not, um, that might just be a correlation between the epilepsy, but we don't know. Um, and then the first seizure I recall, and let's face it, we don't remember generally that much from when we're little. I was about six years old and having a seizure at school. And I was oh, getting wow. changed after PE, like physical education. And then I, you know, I just thought, oh, my, my underwear looks nice, doesn't it? And I started walking down the corridor in just my underwear. And obviously, I didn't think that. I'm just saying that. I, yeah. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, I was um, And then I was like, oh, this isn't a good idea. And I turned around and put the rest of my clothes on. Oh, That's the first one I remember. But nobody know it, um, saw it as far as I'm aware. But I just thought this was kind of like normal. These were what I called my funny feelings to myself. Okay. And I didn't tell anyone about them. They were just happening. Yeah. And then I was noticed. So this was going on for years until I was about wait, 10. Wait, you were like, wait, time out. You were like walking down the hallway in just your underwear for years? Mm. No, no, no. Sorry. That was one instance. Of- <laughs> I got it. Okay. That was the funny one. Because we all but, yeah, the seizures, funny right? one. Yeah, yes, that was, that was just one okay. occurrence of Got a it. seizure. Got it. And okay. then I was having more and more seizures. I didn't, you know, st- you know, strut around half naked all the time. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I feel like that's the only age appropriate time, right? Just like <laughs> <laughs> depends upon your environment and who's around you. That's, that's true. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. retracted. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, so my parents noticed me being a little bit more weird than normal when I was about 10 and they're like, that's not, you know, apparently I was just staring into space and not reacting. So I was having hmm. different types of seizure, obviously okay. over these yeah. years. And the, I, so I had a, an EEG, you know, your stereotypical one lasted maybe 15 minutes. So no abnormalities at all, which happens, we know in about 50% of patients. And then, um, but from the wait, 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 time out, time out. I love how you say we know that happens in 50% of patients, but like, I feel like as we don't know, you know, like some of us don't know that because we just don't have, we aren't armed with that knowledge that you are armed with. And I love that, that you're just dropping that in there because there's so many times I'll talk to people who are having an EEG and they're so disappointed. They're not having a seizure. Um, and I've been there too. And then so many times I'd get the EEG off the text would be like, yeah, most people don't have seizures. I'm like, what the fuck? How did, you know, I wish I had known that going through it and I wasn't beating myself up, you know? So anyway. I completely agree. I think that would be a really useful thing for your neurologist or your neurophysiologist, the person who does the EG, to tell you. Mm-hmm. because it sounds a bit sick but it's kind of like this is the only time you might want a seizure to come on yeah right you feel fucked up when you're like wishing for a seizure because you're like i'm literally wishing for the thing i try to prevent every moment of every day and then it doesn't happen and then you hate your brain even more i don't know that yeah funny. yeah or yeah or you just feel like i know lots of us feel this sort of sense of failure as a person yeah. because of the epilepsy. and then if you fail in inverted commas, with the EEG, it's just another slap around the face, like, okay, this isn't working. Yeah. And if you don't have a, in it, well, in many cases, if you don't have a specialist neurologist, an epileptologist, and then don't have a specific interest in the epilepsies, plural, then they might not think, oh, well, actually, this person does have epilepsy, or you might not take yeah. it as seriously, because this is another sort of thing that happens, right? Unless you're having seizures left, right, and center, and if you're not, and unless you're having ones where you shake or go stiff or look a bit different, then mm-hmm. people don't take it seriously. That's so, I mean, how many, <laughs> no, right, it, totally. Like, I have talked to, again, so many people, and I've had the experience myself where a doctor might not believe you are having seizures, and you're trying, and then you feel like you're just going fucking nuts you're like I must be crazy you know um until like it kind of you have to get to like some point and I don't even know how you get there but just being like no I know fucking something's happening you know and it's even though all of the medical stuff is saying no like there is something happening here yeah and then there can be this sort of the confusion understandable in many cases confusion between epileptic seizures and non-epileptic seizures yeah right yeah and and it's really easy for us not to know totally 
because you know and and it's very very common for clinicians not to know as well and then what if you get treated yeah. for the wrong thing so there was one study done um and it showed that what was it that 30 percent of people diagnosed with epilepsy don't have epilepsy what right, right. oh my god <laughs> so um and i'm like questioning this, everything right now <laughs> And so, I mean, much of this can be down to uh, not reading an EEG very well, or I'm sure there are, mm-hmm. and there are going to be other ways, other reasons that people are misdiagnosed as well. But can you imagine if, like, you find out? I thought about this myself. Okay, I've been on anti seizure medications for over 30 years. What if I didn't actually have epilepsy? I mean, I'm lucky, I know I do, but what if I hadn't and I felt yeah. doped up? For my that, whole flipping life. That was and, my that was my knee jerk reaction. Was like, oh my god, what if what if I had what if like oh my god, it's just terrifying. I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to scare people by saying that. I'm just. <laughs> oh yeah. no, I you know every don't be scared, guys. It's okay. <laughs> we just understand if you are. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. No, exactly. Um, okay, so I interrupted you. Um, so you were about ten. That was picked up when you were ten years yes. old. And then I was diagnosed with epilepsy based upon description alone. And then I was pumped on some medications. Mm-hmm. And on, you can ask me which one, but I can't really tell you because I've forgotten most of my life. So, yeah. um, But I've just been on loads of different medications over my yeah. lifetime. Yeah. And it, yeah, the so it was temporal lobe epilepsy we were discovered that I was having. So I did have an MRI too. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then, like seriously, this was like 1991, so a while back. Um, and I haven't seen that scan myself, but it's probably likely that that showed a degree of temporal sclerosis. So damage okay. to my part of my um, left temporal lobe. Um, but it was kind of like epilepsy wasn't uh, overly trendy back then when it comes to medicine <laughs> and urology. And it's like, no, it wasn't trendy. <laughs> <laughs> it is very hip right now. So. Well, darling, yes. I mean, hello. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. kidding. <laughs> um, it's so interesting. Like, I, how can it not be trendy? It's just, I don't normally say this on my podcast, but it gives me a bit of a, can I say what I normally say? You might have to yes. take it out. Say it. It gives me a gives me a brain boner. Like <laughs> learning all this different stuff and wow, this, wow, that. And you know what's also amazing to me what? is finding what? out that I'm wrong. And mm. I've thought this for years and years. It's like, actually, no, that was incorrect. And we know that's incorrect because either you didn't read or hear about it or the the theory behind something has completely changed due to new evidence. And I think that is amazing. Something I really want us all to be able to do more is, is to be able to embrace being corrected when something is backed up by empirical mm. evidence. That is, should be exciting rather than just, oh, my God, I was wrong. Uh, yeah well it's it just means there's progress being made right right when you're when you're proven wrong by empirical evidence as you say that means that new shit is coming around and (laughs) that's good yeah no i love that oh i'm taking that home with me (laughs) anyway i digress again so what was i saying So so you were on a bunch of medications as we, I feel like that's a very common experience where we're like, things are just thrown at us and like, let's try this one, let's try this one and see what happens. And don't get me wrong, my pediatric neurologist was a really nice guy, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, it was not a great treatment, you know, seeing him mm-hmm. once a year and it's like, oh, that doesn't work, try that, try that. So I was just trying all of those over the years and 
my seizures were getting worse over time. They were getting more frequent, more severe. Um, I started having tonic-clonic seizures, um, which I hadn't had when I was little. Um, and the first one I know I had, or I, I was off, off skiing down a piece in, in Switzerland you somewhere. Skiing? You were skiing in Switzerland when you had mm, your first? In a group of people, and I didn't know, and, they, and it's where they spoke French, and I didn't speak French. And so, yeah. And I woke up really comfy and warm. I'm like, oh. and then I looked up and everyone was staring at me and like going funny. And I thought, oh, and I just said in English, words to the effect of, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm okay now. Yeah, let's go. And I skied for the rest of the day. No, you did not. Oh, yes. my God. And isn't that interesting? Because no way, if I had a tonic-clonic seizure now, no way could I recover and do that. And it's just so right. interesting how it changes over time, right? Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. Yeah. That I, I just am, I'm just amazed by the whole story, especially like the, I don't know how to speak French and I'm with all French people. And like, it just sounds oh. like the worst case scenario for a seizure. You're skiing, you're out of the country, you are not speaking the same language as the people you're with. And you're like, let's hop back on the slopes. Like, it sounds like something that we do very early on, you know, when we don't know what's happening. I mean, and to be honest, I didn't have emotional support or anything. And so I was yeah. led to believe, well, you've got epilepsy, get on with it. Nothing changes. This is your life, you're normal, and you Ooh. will just do stuff. Yeah. And in like in retrospect, not a great idea necessarily. However, yeah. the other side of me is like, why not? Mm -hmm. I, I, I could do it. So mind you, if I had a kid or I had a patient... The thing that was having the greatest detriment to my quality of life was the mental health side of my epilepsy. Mm. Um, right. We know that yep. mental health is a huge thing when it comes to epilepsy. And we were discussing beforehand, weren't we, how the, you know, difference between, um, what's the word? It's gone out of my head now. Uh, epilepsy. Uh, comorbid calling, calling the mental mm. health issues a comorbidity or morbidity of epilepsy. And I right. said, I called it a comorbidity and you, I love how you kind of corrected me there. I, well, well, I didn't mean to correct one, you. No, no, it's one of those moments we were just talking about where you like being corrected. You're like, you know, you're learning. That, that means I'm learning. So, so I was like, you know, the comorbidity of, you know, the mental health side of epilepsy. And you said, I'm teeing you up here. I don't think it's a comorbidity. I think it is a morbidity, part of the same disease, or some people don't like disease, but um, or, or the same condition. Mm -hmm. um, it's all in the same organ. They very often come hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And both the mental health issues, as well as your epilepsy, need to be addressed, in my opinion. I'm just so everyone knows I'm not a clinician, I'm not a doctor, nurse or anything. But in my opinion, I think they must be addressed simultaneously. Because what's the point of just addressing one? Because we yeah. have to think about how people feel and, you know, how, how they are day to day. And some people would rather have a seizure than feel like, you know, they don't want to be here. And I understand that. Yeah. Unfortunately, my seizures go hand in hand with both, like seizures and that go hand in hand where it's like, you know, one, the seizure for me triggers depression like brutally for four days. It's a four-day horrible depression um, where I have I have notes that because I don't remember anything like to do, so I have like notes I keep. I open this like little file folder and it's like this is how you're feeling, very sad, <laughs> like you don't understand the world. It's okay, 
Here are the movies you like. Here are the restaurants you like to order from. Here are the people you can call. Because I don't remember those things when I am that depressed. It's just like my brain doesn't even. So, and yes, I would, I wish a seizure would come without that, but it doesn't for me anyway. And I think that's not that uncommon. Yeah. No. And can I just say, I think that's amazing. You have that list. I, I, anybody listening, watching, get that list because I'm the same. If I'm down in that hole, I can't see a way of getting out. And yeah, you need yeah. that. Sometimes it's a bit of a kick up the backside. Um, sometimes you know, and that can just the tiniest little things. And also, I think um, giving yourself credit for the tiniest things you do. Mm-hmm. If you get out of bed, that's a big deal. Yes, and if, if you, you pull, don't, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, it's like just kind of have to embrace all of your everything and just be like, you are here. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing. Yep. Um, which actually, so the person that came up with the idea for that list was my neuropsychologist who is essentially my talk therapist. Um, and very few in the United States, anyway, very few neuropsychologists practice talk therapy. Most of them diagnose and, you know, for cognitive behavioral therapy or something like that. Um, and she was the, I'm just very lucky that I was able to find her and my doctor connected me to her um, and even fought the board for me to go see her. It was an amazing feat. Um, But that's one of the things I want to talk to you about today was just like the mental health aspect, you know, this, this morbidity of epilepsy and like what that journey's looked like for you. Um, Just because I know, like, you know, I've been, I've been doing talk therapies since I was 18 when I went to college and it was like included in tuition. I was like, well, then I'm going to get my money nice. worth. <laughs> no, darling, <laughs> I'll have a bit of that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, you know, it's like I feel like so many people, whether or not they have epilepsy, and I understand this sentiment so much where it's like, oh, it's just so hard to find a therapist or I don't know what I need. And you and I were talking one time and talking about cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. And you're like, oh, yeah, I've done that. And I've also done, you started naming like all these acronyms that I'm like, what are those? Like, I don't even know. And like, I just feel like you practice such solid mental health. Um, you're like, 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 really? (laughs) I'm not sure about that. I might know a few, a few uh, acronyms, but that's about it sometimes. But yeah, sorry, go on. (laughs) Um, Well, let's start with cognitive behavioral therapy. Like, because you are kind of a walking definition for people with epilepsy, walking, walking, what, that's not the right word I'm looking for. Um, dictionary. There it is. Um, oh. like a, like a walking dictionary as is epilepsy sparks your website, um, for people with epilepsy. So, and I feel like you could do a much better job of explaining cognitive therapy than I could. How would you describe it in your experience? Well, first of all, just to let you know, um, I wasn't planning to say this, but I literally for the 1st of January, I've updated the epilepsy sparks glossary. And it's got all these new, it's, 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 we've got about 350 terms on there and stuff. Oh so just check it out. And if you think it's wrong, yeah, you can let that's me know. The but... thing. And I, you know, the glossary on Epilepsy Sparks is so dope. It's just like, what if you have a question, if you're not, if you've heard a term and you're not sure what it means, go to epilepsysparks.com, check with the glossary. It's unbelievable. That's why I say you're a walking you. dictionary. Because I'm like, <laughs> I can just ask you anything. Like, I don't even, you know, I'm like, what's a morbidity? What's a comorbidity? Oh, right. You got it. <laughs> Rest assured, though, my memory is generally rubbish. Yeah, cognitive behavioral therapy is often the type of therapy that most people are referred to, first of all, yeah, Um, if you go to a therapist, largely, and it's a group therapy. 
and um, it normally, at least on this side of the pond, lasts on in the beginning. They give you six weeks, and you, you're put with people in put into a group with people who you think you might oh. kind of get on with. So you're not in a group at all. No, no. Yeah, so it can be both. This is amazing. Um, unless I'm making something up, was I thinking about? Ignore that bit. See, I got confused. I was okay. thinking of DBT. Ignore that bit. Okay, so cognitive behavioral therapy. No, all good. Is yeah, no, all good. Okay, ignore that bit. So, um, but you might want to include it because, as I know, it's part of the whole memory yeah. issue. Isn't it? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> have a, anyway, have a, um, so anyway, no, cognitive behavioral therapy is a one-to-one therapy and usually lasts for six sessions. And um, but you can ask for more if you like. Mate, this ain't enough. Do you know what I mean? I've got this to work through. Da da da. Um, and I've been referred for it before. Like it started, I think, in my early twenties. I went to the GP, the general practitioner. I was like, mate, I'm not well. I really need your help. Mm-hmm. And um, but it took me a long time to get to that stage. And um, well, props to you for doing that. Well, <laughs> it should have happened years before. Trust me. Mm. As in, yeah. about I needed therapy for at least when I was about eight years old. And yeah. um, I could go into more detail, but I went in this episode. But so it started about then, and. Um, but the problem was with CBT for myself, and I've no doubt other people affected cognitively um, by, say, drugs or seizures, and that includes people without epilepsy too, um, mm-hmm. is that it's really hard to remember things, right? So that's like, okay, you've got to learn this and, you know, learn to put your memories aside and just move on. And like, but you've given me these tips. And even though I'm writing things down, it's really hard for me to remember that. And mm-hmm. unless... This is just my experience. Unless they specialize in the epilepsies or some or 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 diseases with uh, which commonly have cognitive challenge challenges as part of them, they don't get it. And yeah. it's so you get to the end of your therapy, and I'm just thinking that was really stressful, really upsetting, almost traumatic. And what was the point of that? Um, yeah. Right. No, I have had I had that experience with the first cognitive behavioral therapist that I saw. Um, did not understand epilepsy. Uh, did not. Uh, she was actually kind of mean. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. What did she do? Um, say. Oh, she shamed me for um, somehow an ex came up. Oh, yeah. So I had one boyfriend that broke up with me because I got migraines. This is before I had epilepsy. And was like, you know, what if you were to get a migraine on our wedding day? And I was like, I don't know. I've never thought about that before. Like, that's very weird. And um, I I mentioned that to her as why it's something I'm insecure about and health issues. Because that happened when I was like, I don't know, in my early 20s. And Mm. she was like, and you stayed with him? And I was like, whoa, you're not supposed to judge me here. (laughs) And I was like, well, yeah, like I just didn't. I don't know. I didn't know. And I didn't. She's like, oh, well, hmm, I can't believe you dated him for that long. And I was like, and it's like, dude, this ain't a friendship. (laughs) You're not supposed to give me even even a friend's not supposed to say that to you unless that you have that type of relationship. You're like, I want your opinion. But a therapist, darling, this is your professional. You're not. Oh, gosh. 
Um, yes. So yeah. So that. So and I think that's part of the thing too because I've had amazing therapists that did not understand epilepsy. Like I had one therapist who was seeing when the whole thing happened, when like I needed my second brain tumor removed, and uh, epilepsy started, and all that stuff. And she, I, lo- I still love her so much. She's just I have nothing but fond memories. But at the same time, she just didn't understand what was happening, and it's not her fault, you know. Did so, you try and get her to understand? And it, did you try and get her I, to explain? Not that that's your job to do, but did you? I don't know, honestly. Um, it mm. was very early in my epilepsy journey. I was on so many drugs, and I don't really remember that time well. I just remember yeah. feeling like a little misunderstood. And yeah, and it wasn't her fault. Um, and that's why, like, I think to your point, finding someone that specializes in epilepsy is huge. Because I've read a, I tried a cognitive behavioral workbook and I, I talked to someone else who doesn't have epilepsy. They're like, oh, I love this workbook. I'm like, I want to burn this workbook. Like I want to go murder someone because it's telling me to go do things that I fucking can't do, you know? So I think that like, to your point, that's really, really helpful for anyone listening. Just, just find someone like, cause looking for a therapist can be very difficult or it's, looking for a type of therapy. And often when you need to look for a therapist, you're not in the mood to look for a therapist. Your patients might not be up there mm-hmm. and and you feel mm-hmm. but oh I can't find this, it's not supposed to happen, or or this is just too much, it's just too exhausting. Yeah. And it just and, and so I get it. I really get it. But I would rather yeah. I would rather I had found, as I no doubt yourself, I found therapists or therapists or whatever that could help me a few decades ago that would have been nice mm-hmm. and um and the thing is also if you find somebody who can help you effectively not only will they be in my opinion not only will they be able to help you now and going um now alone but also they will help you prevent future occurrences of certain feelings um so for instance you mentioned how you cope um, or feel like you maybe cope post-seizure with your depression. Mm-hmm. You've got like this little list of things to do, which really helps you. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, if you have a good therapist of some kind, they will help you create stuff like that. Now all therapy is different, yes. but little just little snippets like that um, can mm-hmm. really help lots of people who might struggle with memory, you know, um, and yes. even people who don't struggle with memory. And But to be honest, if you have somebody without epilepsy who has got depression, they are likely to be cognitively challenged in a way because it's proven Mm -hmm. right and yes mri studies and everything parts of your brain responsible for memory are dulled when you are depressed yes yes absolutely like i'm you can feel it sometimes you can absolutely feel it the dullness um what do you what was your did you find did you ever have a good experience with cbt or was it just like this is just too (laughs) yeah no no, not that's the thing. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's not an effective strategy for everyone. I think it's commonly uh, the first thing to suggest from. But however, I have met, and I haven't been her patient or service user, but um, we did a course together for, so I'm a governor for South London Amorsi Trust, which sounds rather grand, but it's like a well-known mental health trust in London in the UK. And um alongside that not part of that role but I did a training course um, for both clinicians and families affected by epilepsy and mental health I don't think I told you this did I 
No, no, this is new info. So we're hoping to do another another one and update everything. But um, and it was with a CBT therapist who specialized in epilepsy and CBT. And we wrote this together and she is amazing. So she only works with um, people who have an epilepsy and then these comorbidities <laughs> um, of depression, anxiety, et cetera. And it just showed me there are some people out there who get it. But the trouble is, as with so many roles in the sphere of epileptology all around, there are so few of these people. And most of the time, we yes. don't even know they exist, so we don't know what to ask for. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what to ask for and you're feeling down, to put it politely, then it's really, really hard. So, But that's why I think what you're doing is amazing because mm. it's about empowering people through knowledge and understanding and realising there are people out there who will get it. Unfortunately, we have to fight for it sometimes, but they are there. Yeah, well, I think I think that's so important because it's sometimes it's not so much about the type of therapy, but about the person who is administering it. You know, I had that terrible experience with one person doing CBT and then the um, neuropsychologist I'm seeing now um, has we've been doing CBT for years, you know, and it takes years for me anyway, for it. To, and I think for a no, normal brain would take years as well, because you're you're cha- Yeah. Yeah. You're changing like <laughs> neural pathways and shit. So like. Um, but with the right, it's almost better about finding the right therapist than it is about finding the right type of therapy. And sometimes I think an amazing, and I think this for people in all spheres of medicine, if they say, actually, I don't know, I love it. I love it. Right. I know too. And then, but they say, okay, do you know, as well as that, they, they need to say, but I'll try and help you find the right person. Yes. So the first bit you trust them. Because mm-hmm. they admit their own what they don't know, yep. and they have like that level of humbleness, which I just think is essential in medicine. And then mm-hmm. they um, will also go the extra mile, or or maybe do it should be part of their role. I don't know to find you somebody else who can help you. Yes. Um, otherwise, people like us can very easily fall in between the gaps. These gaps mm-hmm. are flipping huge. Okay, so what type of what therapy are you in right now? Are you seeing a therapist? Are you are are you practice? What's what does your mental health care look like right now? At the moment, I am having uh, DBT therapy, so dialectical behavioral therapy. I think it was invented in the what's states. It actually, Let's st- start over one more time. It's D- DBT. Dialect- yeah, DBT. DBT. So, yeah, okay. dialectical behavioral therapy. Okay. I'm just going to check. Yeah, I have said it right. (laughs) D-I-A-L-E-C-T-I-C-A-L. Okay. And what is it? I've never heard of it because I'm ignorant. So keep... No, you're not. A little bit. um, Well, aren't we all, right? Uh, So it involves generally, so it can change from place to place, but generally if you have good, in inverted commas, care um, as part of this, you'll have like a group therapy and you have a one-to-one therapy um looks like you could have like both in the same week for instance and yeah and it's a type of therapy that was kind of put together for people who have a um what what is often called emotional disorder I feel like it's more common like I feel like I hear that a lot I don't know Mm. I I think we're getting better at talking about that you know the thing is with stuff like that and it's it really reminds me of epilepsy I think the whole 
you see like different conditions in different stages of acceptance or perception, don't you, in society? Yes, yes. And this sort of, you know, emotional disorder is it just, it's, I can't, ugh, the number of times I have seen qualified physicians and, you know, psychiatrists talking about it in so, the most awful way. And it's so annoying because it, well, it first of all shows how utterly ignorant they are, yeah, how utterly biased they are. Um, and you know, all all it takes is to go and look in uh, what's it, the DSM. So I can't remember what that stands for, but that's like um, the psychiatric manual of different um, diagnoses that you can get, and it just shows that you're not what the media um, presents you as. And mm-hmm. it's really similar to epilepsy in that there are. So we know we have about sixty different types of seizures. We know that there are about so far, 600 genes identified as being responsible for the epilepsies. Now so we know. Far, right? I did not know that. Now I know. Yeah. Okay. And that there was such a, you know, a huge range of different types of seizures, but diagnosis and things that come along with it. So people are really likely, much more likely to develop epilepsy, say if they have, you know, dementia or cerebral palsy or all these different things. And it's like a big mix of like skank that just kind of comes out in different colors. And mm. it's exactly the same for the other types of mental illness, um, like emotional disorder, or even, you know, the, like behavioral disorders that um, kids might have, or some adults maybe. <laughs> um, right, yeah. And all these different types of things. So, yeah, and that's one of the reasons I actually work with South London and Morsi Trust as well, is to give patient insight into that. But I always wow. bring in epilepsy too. It's like, darlings, do you realize <laughs> these things kind of come hand in hand? Awfully, I'm afraid, but they do. And... <laughs> One of my recent things um, that I'm really working towards is giving a voice to people who are nonverbal. So obviously lots of people um, who have um, learning disabilities or intellectual disability, um, some people with autism, they like can't effectively communicate or they, they're nonverbal, but they're also often more likely to have epilepsy. And wow. we know what it's like when people can't see you having a seizure. So how do you help those people? I feel that we need to, and I feel that's what you're doing too, is to oh, wow. give those people a voice. Because they're the quiet ones that just, you know, hang there yeah. and, you know, their life expectancy is shorter and all these different types of things. Mm-hmm. That's amazing work and something that um, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I've never thought about before. I've never thought about the the people who are nonverbal who can't describe their seizures that are happening. Like that's that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Wow. Sorry, and thank you I don't for make you feel No, bad. no, I appreciate it. I appreciate and I appreciate <sighs> the work you're doing just to bring that to the foresight in the forefront and be like, you know, this is, you know, cuz it's like you're you're just doing such a great job of speaking for literally people who can't. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm so appreciative. Um, well, thank you, but so are you indirectly. I, I'm trying to take the compliments. I try. Thank you. But actually, so are you, because lots of people can hear what they say. And also, a lot of the people that listen to your work, and hopefully mine sometimes, are actually carers and um, yeah, siblings and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, because often, and um, this is kind of another topic, related topic, but the epilepsies can affect family members as as severely but not in the same way as the people with the diagnosis, especially if you grew up with an epilepsy and you don't really know any different. And it sounds harsh, but mm-hmm. if that is kind of your life and then yeah. the people around you are worried, like, are you going to injure yourself? Are you going to die? What are they going through? 
Yeah. That's pretty horrific. And I think so we have like Yeah, it becomes a part of their story too. Yeah, there's just no denying that. Um but uh before we uh sign off here, because I really want to talk about epilepsy sparks and why you created it and what your what your like motivation was, what your motivation continues to be be, to create such an amazing resource um with not only your website, which you just said you updated the glossary, which I can't wait to check out, um, and the podcast. Like where did that come from? So um thank you again for your compliments. Very, very kind of you. So after I had had a temporal every section, because we didn't finish my journey, if you like. We did not. No. But I ended up having, um, this is not the end, but 10 years ago, I did have a temporal library section. So part of the dodgy okay. bit scooped out. Okay. Um, and just so you know, I still have seizures and I still have epilepsy, but it's not nearly as bad. Um, but after that had happened, then I ended up in a psychiatric hospital because my mm. mental health was so bad. Um, mm-hmm. Little correlation between the two. Um, and then, like, yeah, <laughs> just a little one. <laughs> and um, and I just became so frustrated. Like, are you kidding me? I didn't realize quite how ignorant, generally speaking, the world was about epilepsy. I've always been really open about it, open mm-hmm. with my employers, open about about it with potential partners, on dates, everything. I've never hidden it because it's something that is not me. It's part of my life, and I hate it. But it's not me. Um, mm-hmm. And I love the science behind it. And I thought, why should I try and get other people to see it like that if I can? Will this be empowering if I can help them do that? And so I decided to try and introduce the sciencey part of it to people and say, okay, this is the epilepsy. These are different causes. Da 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 da. And um, yeah, I had to change the name of it, of it because it had a rude name in the beginning. People liked it. I don't know if you can include this bit in. So we'll think about it. But it used to. <laughs> Initially, it was called epilepsyisabitch.co.uk. And oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I, and yeah, people were like, oh, my God, I love that name. Oh, it's so good. And yeah. like, oh, thanks. But then I realized, look, I want to get clinicians involved and researchers. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure that's going to happen if it's got that name. So, yeah, I understand. Sometimes that happens with what the F, too. You know, people it's, get funny about it. I know. I know. But so anyway, I changed it. And yeah. then I had always wanted to, um, well, I was either going to be a commercial pilot, a surgeon or a dentist. And when people say you can do anything in life, your career, well, what a load of tosh. Because <laughs> just not going to do any of that stuff. And and I couldn't study science after I was like 16 because I was just, my my memory was so pants because of my drugs and my epilepsy. So, mm-hmm. um, And I thought, this is kind of like a sneaky little way to get back into it. So I started interviewing these people kind of on the sly nobody knew about it and I said yo is it and also because I couldn't be on the video myself I was just gonna be too embarrassed um so I thought the attention can go on somebody else and Mm -hmm. so that's what I started doing and then I was like god this has given me a bit of a a brain stiffy this one um this is really really cool man that's that's um, always funny that's never not funny (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah and that's and so I got so I was lucky to get some nice feedback and then I realized that other people weren't really being that interim between clinicians and the rest of the world Mm -hmm. um and I didn't know who would be the audience I was like I was thinking it would just be patients probably but actually, what is shocking in our um, a recent month of ours, um, it slowed down over Christmas, but uh, we had thirteen thousand downloads between uh, YouTube wow. and um, and the podcast available on multiple channels. If anybody wants to look at it, but um, and 
almost everybody on the podcast that listens, to my knowledge, because the download data thing's rubbish, but to my knowledge, are actually clinicians. And most of the people that download on, um, or researchers, wow. and most of the people that listen or watch on podcasts are people like ourselves. So it's kind of, it just like fell into that. There was no intention. And it's really nice to be able to get a message out to different types of people, including carers, of course, as we mentioned before. And Absolutely. it's just like really fun. And it means that I get to talk to people like you, meet people like yourself. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you're covering this, the other side of it too. It's so important. Well, and that's what I like to be, and just to be clear, when I first came across your podcast, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle the science. I don't know if I can, you know, and that's just true. Like, cause I, it's not, it's not the, where I thrive in my brain, science, like an understanding and everything. And then I started listening. And I was like, I feel like fucking awesome right now. Like oh. just from listening and learning and the conversations are so real. But like, uh, but then I after each episode, I'm like, I just feel better. Like I feel good. Oh. And that whole empowerment feeling is happening that you are creating through knowledge. Like the whole knowledge is power, which I know we've heard a gazillion times. But god damn, it's true. So I could not recommend uh, your podcast enough to anyone because it's just truly like it's something that I I love listening to and learning from and I can't believe every time how I just feel better than I did before oh. I started yeah it's incredible thank you so much for your work truly oh thanks that makes doing it worth it so thank you very much and huh. ditto of course darling ditto all the way <laughs> Um, okay. No doubt we'll have another conversation, but yeah, God, we've gone on for like 44 minutes. Oh my goodness. Well, before, before we sign off, I mm. um, I want to ask you four questions oh gosh, that, are okay. not, that are not related to epilepsy. Okay. okay. What is your favorite type of book to read? Uh, nonfiction uh, to do with um, science. <laughs> for yeah. science, it could be like biology or um, uh, evolution, medicine, stuff like that. <laughs> well, also, I love how you took what you like were unable to do, which was, you know, be a surgeon and you pivoted it and made it yours and made it still your still field is medical. That's really fucking beautiful because it's very hard for people like us to do things like that. So Thank I just you. admire that so much. I meant to say that earlier and I forgot because I can't remember shit. So <laughs> Same. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. If you could have only one meal for the rest of your life what would it be cadbury's dairy milk chocolate what is i it? love uh, i'm not sure we can be friends did you just ask me what cadbury's dairy milk was yeah how Bye. old that is <laughs> okay <laughs> it's uh <laughs> it's a type of chocolate that um from uh, actually i think it might be owned by like a u.s company now but anyway it's just a type of chocolate that's not actually scientifically a chocolate they, that's why they have to call it dairy milk because it doesn't have the required amount of cocoa in but seriously check it out um I will. the company is cadbury's and then it's just dairy oh, yeah. milk and oh oh my goodness okay yeah. okay well i'm very excited to look into this <laughs> um what does it mean to you to be a friend oh just to be there to be honest to be able to have a cuddle sometimes, to laugh, mm -hmm. um, to uh, to be the type of person where you can say to your mate, actually, you're wrong. <laughs> this is... <laughs> but in a nice way. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. It's true. It's true. You can really um, only say that to friends. And the most things to have a laugh and somebody you can rely upon. I, I'll give you a great example. When I was 
very unwell. I just come out of hospital, the surgery and the psych hospital. And a friend of mine said to me, Tori, I, I just don't get what you're going through, but I'm here for you. And I was like, that is the best thing yeah. ever. Because none of us know everything, but just to say I'm there for you and I'm not going to judge you. I think yes. that's what a really good friend does. And yeah, so. I agree. And the acknowledgement that you don't understand. It's not that easy one to make, but it's, yes. Exactly. Oh, yes. That's beautiful. <laughs> Deep, yeah. Okay. Last one. What does self-care look like for you? Oh, <laughs> well, first thing I thought of was plants because I've got so many plants. But um, no, that's not plants. That's a good one. What? But, one thing is yeah. plants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or plants. Does it say it properly? That, um, yeah. and, <laughs> plants. It's plants, plants here in plants. the United States. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, sleep, uh, yeah. eating enough fruit and veg and water, having enough water, listening to your own body, um, asking for help when you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just embracing who you are. God, it sounds so horrifically deep and cheesy, but just who are you and going with the flow as long as you're not, you know, not a serial killer or anything, just go with who you are and, um, and have fun. I think fun is one of the most important things. Does that kind of answer yeah. your question? Because I can't even remember what your question was now. Yeah, yeah, no, that that was beautiful. Was, what does self care look like to you? And oh, I yeah. love that you. I love that your first two answers were plants and sleep. <laughs> right, so and taking your pills on time true. if you need to, because yeah. don't just try and miss them. Because I did that once, and it wasn't a very good idea. I yeah, paid yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And 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 seek help. That's a really important thing. Value yourself and seek help. And if you know that you don't value yourself all the time, then get someone behind you who does value you. I think that's really important to have that support for self-care. Oh, I love it. We're going to end on that. Tori, thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you. Everyone, all of the links to Epilepsy Sparks are in the podcast description for today. Um, and I really appreciate you being here and sharing. This is just amazing. Ditto. Thank you very much, Landis. All right. See you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.